This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, We want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This episode is airing in late January of 2024, and we are going to be talking about mornings, morning routines, how mornings look, things we've thought about over the years for making mornings better. This is a perennial favorite topic. If you came to me randomly, like any of my books, probably the most likely one you read is called What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, which turns out to be my most clickable title ever. There's something about mornings. Basically, because they are useful to many people. If you work a full-time job, particularly if you need to commute somewhere, if you have a family, mornings are generally going to be your best bet for any serious personal pursuits because you're most likely going to be tired after work. You have your family responsibilities after work. Whereas if you know you get up in the morning, you can do those things before the day starts and then they are done. You don't have to find a time for them later. So this is how people really put me time into their days, right, Sarah? I mean, although some of the morning routine literature out there is a little bit nutty. Yes. 
Yes, it is. I mean, I love mornings. I love this topic. I love morning routines. So I'm super excited to talk about them. But when I hear morning routines, I I actually tend to have like two images come to mind. One is like some like dude bro that wakes up at 4 a.m. to do three hours of like he wouldn't brand it as self-care because that doesn't sound manly, manly enough. self-care. Yeah, but like work, <laughs> hardcore exercise, special smoothies, cold plunge, like whatever to make yourself hardcore with no mention of any kind of like family members or other responsibilities. Or like a woman at home, presumably childless, because again, no one's interrupting her, doing a 15-step hair and makeup routine <laughs> before she starts her day. We're not going to talk about That's either That's a lot of, of steps. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like your morning could last a while if you're doing that. So yeah, our mornings don't look like either of those. Uh, don't worry. We're not, a, no cold plunges over here. Sarah, you're not going to cold plunges, are you? No, I think I'm closer to that dude, bro, than I am to the <laughs> woman, but <laughs> unlike him, no cold plunges. And I really enjoy most of the aspects of my morning routine. And I definitely have aspects that involve helping others as well, not just me. So we're going to share a little bit about what our mornings look like. And then we're going to talk about some common pitfalls that can happen if you're trying to build a morning routine and maybe troubleshoot a few of those. So if you've been pondering, altering your morning routine or creating a morning routine, maybe there will be something helpful in this episode for you. So we're going to start with Sarah because she is like the queen of the morning routine. So it's varied a little bit over the years, but what is it looking like these days, Sarah? I'm going to give you a play-by-play because I enjoy episodes where people don't just talk in generalities, but specifics. So we're going to give that to you today, both Laura and I. So on weekdays, I get up at around 4.45. Sometimes it's a little earlier. Sometimes it's a little later, depending on what my kind of workout plan is that day. But 4.45 on average, I always set my coffee up the night before. So when my alarm goes off, I know I can walk to the kitchen and I have my freshly brewed pot ready for me. Then I drink coffee and eat something with carbs. Learned this from Megan Featherston, a sports dietitian and who was on this podcast and who I took her marathon nutrition training course. So usually two sheets of graham crackers while reading nonfiction with my coffee. And I also spend, usually I kind of read until around 5.15ish. And then I start setting up my planner page for the day, which is when I really plan out my day. I think about like what tasks I want to do, you know, what my priorities are, how tightly scheduled I am. I just kind of like do a whole run through. And I write things out as I do that. Then I do five or 10 minutes of Headspace, which is my preferred meditation app. Usually I do a very quick email check. Like I just want to see if anything blew up. And if it didn't, then I'm done. And then by 5.50, I head out the door to do whatever workout, which I do plan in advance. So like in my planner, it'll say you're running this much or you're doing arms or whatever. So usually I just run because my runs tend to be on the longer side and I have to be done by around seven. But sometimes I'll do like a shorter run and like 20 minute strength or something like that. So 5.50, and I did this today, out the door, home by seven. So I can fit in like eight miles, six, six to eight miles in that time frame. I get home, grab some water, make sure everyone has woken up. I used to kind of ask my husband to do this, but I have to some extent just given up and I will make sure everyone's awake. So ideally, they're starting breakfast, but sometimes I'm just getting them up. And I will then jump in the shower and then have my husband kind of take over while I shower. I love to listen to Up First while I'm in the shower. That's my main news source of the day. And then I do a very abbreviated hair and makeup. I mean, I've timed myself. It's like seven minutes total. So I'm not aiming for looking amazing. I'm just aiming for looking presentable. And that's what I get in that five to seven minute period. 
So by 7.20, I'm out and I tell everybody we need to be done with breakfast. I wish I could say I did it in like a zen calm way. That's often not how it is, but working on it. Actually, the last, this is a new year and the last few days have been better. And I start putting stuff by the door. So I know that in order to get out the door, we need like all the stuff at the door. And that means like the lunches. So like I start getting the lunches with the ice packs. I just start putting paraphernalia by the door that relates to leaving. And then I help Genevieve get dressed. I make sure the other two are doing what they need to do. And then I kind of pack my work bag. And by 7.35, we are getting in the car. I drive Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Josh drives Thursdays. So this is, you know, our kind of our default is that I'm doing it. I get everybody in the car. And then by 7.40, we start driving. Notice that getting in the car and start driving are not the same minute. There are three kids. They have all their stuff. They have to decide where they're sitting. The kids have to choose their music for the morning. <laughs> yeah, there's that like key. stuff that happens. So you got to know that that transition times happen. And then I eat breakfast while I'm driving. So I used to try to fit in breakfast at home, but it really doesn't fit in with all that other stuff I mentioned. So I'll eat like a protein bar, like a rise bar or a cliff builder bar in the car, and then follow that by some other supplemental thing like a yogurt once I get to work. So kind of have that figured out to not take the time at home. Then comes my drop off. So drive the kids to school by 7.55 to 8. I get there. Our school is really small and the classrooms are like separate buildings. So I actually, we walk all three together. We drop Genevieve off, then we drop Cameron off, then I drop, well, I don't really drop Annabelle off. She kind of like walks to her area where the middle schoolers are. And then I go to my car, I drive to work at 8.15 and then about 8.35, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get there. And then usually there's like five minutes to spare before my first patient is roomed. So it usually works out. And I am lucky in that my commute is not super short. I mean, I'm leaving at 7.35 and I do a drop-off and I don't get there till 8.35, but it's pretty predictable. Back when I was driving like on I-95, it was like you never knew if it was going to be 35 minutes or an hour and a half, but now it's pretty easy. So I don't need a ton of buffer or anything like that. There are variations on this theme. So on Tuesdays, I do basically the same thing, but instead of driving to my office where I see patients, I just drive home and then set up my kind of creative job. I don't usually work out later on Tuesdays because I usually just need to get started. Thursday is the one day that depending on what I have on my plate, sometimes I'll sleep in because he is driving the kids and I could work out when he leaves. But honestly, that doesn't happen all that often because I often have something like a recording that I have to get to. So, so that doesn't work out. And then finally, weekends. So I do get up early on Saturdays, usually five so that I can start running by six a little bit later in the winter because there's not a need to start my runs so early. And the kids are usually asleep until seven or eight. And then my husband will like run after I get back. Um, and then we can have a more leisurely morning after that. And then Sunday, I just kind of sleep in until the kids are up, which is usually seven or eight-ish. And then Do you almost always build in an hour before you start running? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. You need time Coffee, to get digestion, and... like planning. I don't know. I just, I can't, I know there's some people who are just bound out the door, but I usually really prefer to have about an hour. Yeah. And then I'll just say bedtime is part of my morning routine because I get up really early and there's no way that I would be happily following this morning schedule without a fairly early bedtime most nights. I'm not saying every night. I don't want to be rigid. I want to be able to stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve, which we did. But most nights I'm like settling into my bed by even before nine sometimes, and I'll read for a little bit, and then I fall asleep. And almost never am I up past 10 on a weekday because I want to get up early. 
I think we need to make a quote card with what you just said, said there, that bedtimes are part of my morning routine, right? Bedtime, that is a key point. And I think is. a lot of people don't realize that, but bedtime is part of the morning routine. So it doesn't work <laughs> if you don't go to bed, whatever number of hours of sleep you need. So she's going to bed 945 if she's up 445 to get seven hours of sleep. I mean, that's just math, right? I mean, you can try to make it different, but the numbers are what they are. They are what they are. And I just talked a lot, but I'm pretty passionate about my morning routine. Not that everyone needs to follow it, but that everyone should spend time crafting the routine that works for them. Because, you know, I get a lot of pleasure out of my my morning and it is my me time. Absolutely. Yeah, mine doesn't look like that. (laughs) (laughs) For various reasons. But I mean, so I set my alarm for 6.30 usually on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that is seven and a half hours after my bedtime, which is 11 p.m. So 6.30, I'm up. I make sure Jasper is up. Then I go shower, get down to the kitchen. I make coffee for both of us, Jasper and me, at that point, and usually make him a peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) And uh, he comes down while I'm out of the shower getting dressed. My husband has gotten in the shower. He comes down and walks the dog while Jasper's finishing his breakfast. The two of them are out the door at seven to drive Jasper to school because the bus does come, but it comes a lot earlier and we're not that far from the school. And so in the interest of nobody needing to wake up before 630, we have decided to drive him and next year he'll be driving himself. So all good. And school will be later. (laughs) So All sorts of things will be changing in the future. I generally get Sam and Ruth up around between 6.55 and 7. So sort of just as the others are going out the door, supervise them getting ready, sometimes make them breakfast like pancakes or eggs or something like that. Hopefully my husband is back if he's working at home by the time that they need to get down because I want to drive them down to the end of like down to our bus stop, which is it's at the end of our property, but it's like we're down a long hill. So it's takes them a long time to get there if they're walking, like winding around on the driveway. So so usually someone just gets them in the car, basically drives them down to the end of the driveway and back. But the little boys are still sleeping and we're still in our driveway. So figure it's okay. Then, you know, come back. Little boys are usually waking up somewhere between 7.30 and 8, get them breakfast. You know, our nanny is starts work at eight. Sometimes she comes a little bit earlier and then I start a little bit earlier or, you know, if Michael's with the kids or whatever. And I tend to begin my day with some of these morning things that some people might do earlier. But, you know, my job is my business, so I can do whatever I want. But I do tend to start with some of the interruptible stuff, too, at the beginning of it, like because the little boys, the odds of one of them calling for me desperately between eight and eight forty is pretty high. Henry is very much a mommy's kid. And so sometimes it's like he'll scream unless I'm buckling him in the car seat. So anyway, that's the reality. I'll do interruptible stuff. But I often will do my various morning rituals that I do have, like writing my sonnet, my two lines in the sonnet, doing my back exercises. I'm often now listening to my Bach during all of this. Because I'm, you know, at the moment working through the cantatas and some of the organ pieces. So the backdrop to all of this is a cantata from Bach or an organ sonata. I've been listening to a lot of those. And then I generally start my focused work 
at around 8.35 or 8.40 when they are all out the door. The house is quiet. And my goal is to do whatever the big focus project is of the day from 8.40 to 10, 10.15 or so when I take a quick break and do something else. So that is what my mornings look like. I've been experimenting on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sam and Ruth have jazz band. And so they need to leave on in the seven o'clock run with Michael and Jasper. And he drops Jasper off at school and then takes them over to the middle school. And I've been getting up. I've been setting my alarm for 622, getting my running clothes on, making sure the kids are all up at 630, then heading up to our treadmill, ideally be running at 635. So you can see there's a little bit of a difference here. Sarah needs an hour. (laughs) I'm, I don't know. I decide to just do it. I'm also not running as fast. So maybe maybe she needs a little bit more time to prepare for that. What's that? (laughs) Or as far. Or as far. So yeah, I I can. And I could stop in the middle too if I'm on my treadmill because I'm there. And the idea is like just run two miles like as quick as I can. Like ideally get them in in like 20 minutes or something because the treadmill is so incredibly boring that I want to get off of it as quickly as I can. And you kind of have to ramp up the first one. So it's like the, the first mile, it'll be like, 10 30 so then that means i'm trying to do the next one in 9 30 so it goes a little faster it's like a progressive speed workout and then run downstairs at 655 657 make sure everyone truly got up is going you know and sometimes one of the kids has rolled back over and gone back to bed sometimes my husband has slept through his alarm so it's really all you know a troubleshooting kind of thing at that point but normally they get out the door and then I've done my exercise for the morning. And I think two quick miles on the treadmill is fine. If I do that twice a week, do a long run on Saturday and work out with my trainer on Monday, I am have hit some sort of baseline. It's okay. I should do more. Sure. But that's good. Awesome. Wait, is that it? Well, there's variations. Okay. I mean... Oh, wait, what about weekends? Well, weekends, I mean... Weekends so count, Laura. Up, You know that. Yes, <laughs> the weekends that. do count. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, I'm usually up around 7.30. I would say that. Um, 7.30 on Sunday so I can get ready for church because Jasper and I have a nine o'clock rehearsal for choir. And I just find it, I like to have enough time that I'm not rushed. And, and I'm normally up by then anyway because I, my bedtime could be midnight and wake up at 7.30 because I'm not going into the weekend usually with sleep deprivation because I've been pretty rigid about being in bed by 11 during the week to wake up at 6.30. So then... If I'm up till 11.30, then I'm usually waking up between 7 and 7.30 on my own anyway. Once a month, I run with a friend. We need to be at the trail at about 7.15 on Saturday morning. So then I get up at 6.30 on those mornings and try to be in bed again, you know, 11, 11.30 on, on Friday nights to make that happen. And But yeah, Saturday morning, if I'm running on my own, I don't need to be quite as early. I'll usually run 8 o'clock or so and go till 9, 9.30, whatever it happens to be. The only other, yeah, obviously, all of this has to change if my husband is traveling or if I am traveling and we need to alter the morning routine to work with one adult home. So generally what happens is if it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we get Jasper up a tiny bit earlier, like five minutes earlier, leave five minutes earlier because then you can run to the high school come back. Sam and Ruth are with the little guys. So I'm there's a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old in charge of the little ones. Um, and so they are not going to leave unless you're back. Um, so that's fine. 
if for some reason I was delayed, then I would just drive them all to school at that point. And on the jazz band mornings, I get all five of them up, get them in the car at seven o'clock so can get them out the door. And the little boys don't have to be ready, right? They just have to be in the car. So I'll get them in their pajamas in the car with whatever bribes were necessary. Like there's an Normally, Alex can't use his iPad in the morning, but if I have to drag him to the high school into jazz band, then he gets his iPad. And so I feel like that would be a good opportunity for like donuts on the way home or something. Donuts (laughs) or something. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that's the different version of it. And Michael has done that, too, when when I've been gone. So neither of us are huge fans of the other party traveling on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but it's inevitable. So we make it work. Let's take a quick ad break, and then we will be back with more troubleshooting on mornings. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Thrive Cosmetics. I am a speed demon when it comes to my makeup routine. I have approximately five minutes, or maybe three, between showering and starting my routine of getting the kids out the door for school. And so I'm always looking for products to keep things super streamlined and easy for my everyday look. Thrive Cosmetics for years has been part of that. I've discussed the Brilliant Eye Brightener before, which is a serious workhorse for making me look more awake. But lately, I'm also super into their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It's a tubing mascara that lengthens lashes and is super easy to remove as well, which is key because my makeup removal routine is just as streamlined. You can feel great about shopping at Thrive because for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. So refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics. Luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash bestof. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash bestof, B-E-S-T-O-F, for 10% off your first order. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga, along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving. And according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide, May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes. 
made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. So we are back talking all things morning routine. So Sarah, you had a list of some common struggles and because I know people have shared a lot of these with you over the years when you have talked about your morning routines. What are some things that can go wrong? Yes. So probably one of the most common, and I live this, so I get it, is that someone will say, I am desperate to do morning stuff. Like I just wake up and I want to do these things. But every time I leave my room, the baby somehow knows and wakes up. It's really, really hard. So my ideas are, I mean, well, first of all, I understand. And there are modifications you may have to make. I mean, I couldn't have done all these things when my kids were little and I was waking up to feed them because I would have just been too tired anyway. So your time may come and that's not probably going to be very comforting, but maybe a tiny bit comforting. But from a practical standpoint, troubleshooting what is waking them up might be worthwhile. I'm not saying anything will work magic, but white noise can help. If you could move some of your routine to your own room, I've heard about moms doing that or even having like a way to like brew tea in their room if that's far enough from the baby's room that they don't, you know, the baby will hear the vibrations of walking. But if you're not leaving your room, they may not hear that. Also, just like doing kind of a sound audit in general, we actually realized after many years of using Nespresso that it was waking up our kids and we switched to drip coffee and I actually like it better and we've never gone back but it was loud. It was too loud. <laughs> so there may be something you can do about the noise. Discussing with your partner if there's days you could trade off the first wake up shift. Maybe even saying like just one day a week, I want to not wake up with the baby. And if you're nursing, maybe the plan is that you do want to do that if you want to like feed the baby first, but then hand the baby over immediately after the feeding is done and just kind of not be in charge of the baby so that you get Tuesday mornings or whatever morning you want, and then gradually figuring out if you can do kind of more of a split. And then finally, a very popular option that I think does work for some people is to just give up on having time at home in the morning, but to try to reclaim some minutes for yourself at the beginning of your workday. And depending on what type of work you do, that might mean having to get to work a little bit easier, which can have twofold benefits because sometimes that means beating traffic, which means your commute is less, which means then you actually end up with like more time, like you've bought yourself some time. And then you can get in those desired habits at your workplace if you work outside of your home. And as opposed to like working from home, because it's not gonna, not gonna work as well then. But like you're you're getting to your office, but you're not starting right away with your first meeting or whatever. You're actually gonna do your habits that you wanted to do. Or even if you didn't wanna start the day earlier, potentially if you did have a lunch break that you could play with, shorten that lunch break, but take some time in the morning before you start with your regular work. So that would be kind of a way of best of both worlds, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I was just having flashbacks of all the mornings Alex was up. I wasn't trying to get up early to do anything in the morning. He'd just be up. Like he used to wake up at like 5.45 every morning for unknown reasons. And yeah, as soon as he was interested in videos, that was very exciting because then whatever adult was up with him could like read at least or something while he was watching. God, there's this horrible Chuck video. He read the truck, the little Chuck truck. I don't know. Anyway, he was into it. <laughs> I was glad when he was less into it. So yeah, that just sympathies there. But the good news, again, is like kids do get older. And if you are 
sort of average family with two children who are about two to three years apart, you are only spending five years or so with children under the age of two. And you're probably in the thick of it, which is why you're listening to this podcast, but it will end. And then you will have more control over your mornings. Or, you know, you can do crazy things like have five children spread out over many, many years, and then you're always dealing with it, but maybe you don't wake up all that early as it is. So, you know, <laughs> pick what you want. Yes. <laughs> all right. So there can be... Oh, go ahead. You no, know, as I say, the, the other thing is people are like, well, wait, it, work, it takes too long to work out in the morning. Or, or maybe they're like you and they need an hour to go and they're like, I can't stomach the thought of waking up an hour even earlier than the workout. So, so what are some things you can do with that? Yeah. So definitely thinking about which workouts are going to fit your current season. And there is a reason that I did not run any long distance type races for a decade. <laughs> like didn't fit my lifestyle. And so know that things may change. At home workouts are super popular with parents of young kids for a reason. That might be the Peloton bike. It might be, you know, videos. There's so many different YouTube creators that make really efficient workout sessions you can do at home at weights or cardio. And I do feel like during those stages, like perfect is the enemy of the good. You can do 15 to 20 minutes, two or three times a week, and maybe a couple of those can be weekends. And that still is going to count. That is still activity. Your body feels it and probably will bring you at least some benefit more than doing nothing if exercise is something you want in your life. Yeah. And you don't have to do the same thing every day. Like a morning routine does not have to be the same every single day. It isn't for either of us. And because life changes day to day and sort of think of the whole week. And are there a couple times you can do a workout during the course of the week, then that would be great. Three times a week is a habit, as we often say around here. And you know, the reason yeah, we got a treadmill so we can do in home workouts when it's dark and cold out in the in the morning, for instance. But I think if I was telling myself, well, what's even the point of exercising from 635 to 655, and I didn't do it, well, then that's couple miles less per week that I would run. So since I'm saying, well, that's time I can use, let me use it. You know, I get something in and something is is definitely better than nothing. Awesome. Well, another common problem is that you have two parents, maybe they both work, but there's no clearly defined ownership of the morning or a person is a single parent or solo parenting during the week. This is tough. I think the ownership really does bear a conversation, maybe not a desired conversation on the part of someone who might not be doing as much as the other partner, but still an important one to have. And maybe the answer is, hey, this person just is not a morning person. They're going to help out in other ways, but at least it's kind of clearly delineated. And I do feel like two people like sort of taking charge can end up being like harder for both people than one person like clearly owning. I do breakfast. I get the kids dressed. You know, I get the kids do X, Y, Z before this happens and then you take over. Like, I think sometimes, and this is not about tit for tat, it's just about making sure each person's needs are met and that people kind of know kind of what their role is. You would have that discussion in a professional situation. And I think it's worthwhile to have at home as well. Yeah. And there might be some other solution too. I mean, some daycare is open relatively early. So if you have a situation where your daycare opens at seven, but you don't usually start work till nine, I mean, the option would exist, like, you know, if you wanted to take two mornings a week and bring the kid to daycare at seven and then go do a long run and shower and then get to work at nine, I mean, that could work, right? Like that is an option and it's there and you're probably 
paying the same tuition regardless of, of what hours you're using. And so that's something that you could potentially do if you have a situation where, you know, your partner's traveling during the week or you're on your own or something like that. Obviously, the in-home thing is is great. You know, if you can get a there's always, you know, people are selling treadmills all the time because <laughs> they thought they were going to run and then they used it for hanging their clothes on. So that might be something to look into putting one in your basement so that you could get up and run if you can't leave the house because you're the only adult there. Definitely something to think about. I would also point out if you have a partner who is traveling a lot for work, they are getting morning solo time by default on the days they are gone. So it is absolutely fine for you to have it on the days that they are home. And that can just be part of the understanding. And I don't think anyone needs to feel like guilty or like they're asking for something huge with that trade-off. Now, some people have to work very early. So morning routines when that happens. I mean, this has been more of a thing now as people are working in different locations, right? I mean, I know you're hearing from people with like 5 a.m. Zooms, right? Yeah, people, I mean, they may have to like call into the London office and the London office has their meeting at 9 a.m., which puts you at like 4 a.m. or something, you know, crazy. Obviously, it depends on the job, but there are people doing that kind of thing. I think that's where the bedtime is part of your mornings conversation really comes into play because you cannot plan on doing that and like also going to bed at 10 o'clock and watch or like midnight and watching a bunch of shows like it's just never going to work. So do that math. Think about when your night needs to start and then also make sure that it's fair from a work perspective. I mean, again, obviously every position is different and not every position is going to be like, oh, you work an eight hour day and that's what we expect of you. But at the same time, if you have a 5 a.m. meeting, hopefully there you're not expected to then be on meetings until solidly until 5 p.m. or 7 p.m. or something like that, because that is a lot of hours. And so kind of just really thinking about the proportions of your week and making sure that they are reasonable or <laughs> looking for another job, because, I mean, I wouldn't want to do 14 hours a day of Zoom and probably most people don't. Yeah, again, this is a situation where you think 168 hours, not 24. Like if you have Zooms at 5 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Tuesday, maybe that means that you should block off Wednesday afternoon and decide that that's comp time. It's not that you're getting away with anything. It's that you have put in a longer day Tuesday and now you're going to put in a shorter day on Wednesday or you're going to come in later on Wednesday morning, and you're going to do whatever morning routine you would have done on Tuesday on Wednesday and take that time for your own purposes. And like, again, you don't have to do the same routine every single day. I was talking with a group of consultants once with a speech and somebody was like, well, I'm trying to build a morning routine that I do every single day. And I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. I know you are on a plane at 6 a.m. on like Tuesday, and then you're on a train on Thursday somewhere in the morning. And then, you know, it's just the time it doesn't have to look like that. And if you think that you're going to do something at the same time every single morning at the same time and you are in that sort of job, it's just you're going to be very frustrated and you're going to feel like you're failing and you're not failing. It's that you set yourself up to do something that doesn't fit with the life you have. But you could definitely have what you might think of as a morning checklist. Like over the course of the morning, I am going to do these three things. That's what I think of my stuff. And, you know, I write my sonnets. I you know, listen to my Bach, I do my back exercises. Now, those are the three things I do in the morning. And sometimes it happens by 7am. Sometimes it happens by 10am. Sometimes it happens by noon, right? It's still mostly happening in the morning. Sometimes I do my morning routine at night because I haven't gotten to it yet. I think it's better to think about what would you like to include in your life? 
where can you include it? Now, for many people, that is going to wind up being mornings because if you have a full-time job and you commute and you have a family, that is the time you generally can have for yourself, but it doesn't have to be. And so, you know, there's nothing magical about mornings. It's just that it tends to be the time that works for a lot of people. So quick bonus, Sarah, breakfast favorites. What are you eating for breakfast or your kids eating for breakfast yeah, I these days? my glamorous breakfast, but you're, gra- <laughs> you're eating your graham crackers and yogurt. That's the breakfast of yeah, champions and a, around and here. And a protein bar, yeah. And a protein bar. Yeah. So for the kids, so one thing I like to do is to like buy a baked good on Sunday. So Monday's more fun. It gets them out of bed. Usually it's like Trader Joe's banana bread, whatever. We always have smoothie stuff on hand. They like to make them themselves so they can decide what goes in there. We have lately been embracing, it's been cold. I mean, our version of cold, like it was 50s this morning. I've been buying the Kodiak oatmeal that has like a little bit of extra protein and they have a chocolate chip flavor that's been extremely popular in this household. Also, if you add peanut butter to that, you have made Reese's oatmeal. It's really delicious. And we also have like a default, which is like, if I'm just, we're in a super, I'm like, you're eating cereal, pick your cereal, end of story. (laughs) So those are our main breakfast options. That is fine. Well, as mentioned, Jasper has a peanut butter sandwich and coffee. Sam and Ruth will have one of a couple different things. You know, one morning a week, I might make them an egg sandwich. I might do pancakes one morning a week because it turns out pancakes are very, very fast. If you make them from a mix, you just put water in the mix or I guess some people do milk and then turn on the pan, put them on, flip them. You know, it's done in a few minutes. But they might have cereal or toast or toast or a bagel Breakfast is actually free in our school district, so that's always an option, too. If they get there on the bus or Jasper gets there a little bit early, too, you can just pick up a breakfast. And even if you don't really need all of it because you had some breakfast at home, you can use some of the items as a snack later because it tends to be more portable type things because that's how districts often do breakfast. Alex will have Cheerios plus cheese or yogurt. And Henry's been all over the map. He'll sometimes have the pancakes, too, but he likes things like smoked salmon, yogurt, Cheerios. And me, I eat two fried eggs plus something. So some days that's some like carb product. Some days it's fruit. Some days it's nothing because I just eat the two fried eggs. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's my breakfast of champions here. I feel like Henry might, might be your most adventurous eater. I don't know. I mean, I see signs both directions, but, you know, so far he's willing to try different things. So question, Sarah, the question this week, how do you manage transitions effectively, such as when your nanny arrives, like, so you're not spending 15 to 20 minutes getting everyone up to speed on what's going on in the day or going from the insanity of bedtime antics to sitting down with a book or getting kids in the car or a kid activity when you have things like swimsuits or ice skates unloading or loading all the kids in the vehicle. This person has three kids under the age of five, and she feels like transitions are eating up a bunch of her life. What do you, are there ways to minimize it, Sarah? What do you think? Yes and no. You know, interestingly, some of the things you mentioned, I'm like, yep, takes a long time. And then others, I'm like, hmm, I never spent a lot of time doing that. So the one that I never did do that might be streamlinable would be the nanny communication stuff. And I think there's probably a lot you could communicate by just having stuff like on a whiteboard. Like if you just need to show like who ate, who still needs what, like it might be quicker to just be doing that as the morning's unfolding. So she can just see that when she gets here or send a quick text. The longer you've had a nanny, the less of a transition time. And I also feel like the less 
time you have for that nanny transition, the less time you'll spend. So our nanny used to, I mean, we no longer have childcare come in the morning. We don't need that. I drive the kids to school. But back when our nanny would come and I had to drive, there was I had to leave like basically within two minutes of her getting there or I was going to be late for work. I had to get on the highway. And I think by necessity, it was a very short transition. So I think that one may be one worth delving into for streamlining. But a lot of those other things, the bedtime antics, the you mentioned putting on ice skates. Yeah, that stuff is like, I mean, skis don't even get me started. Like you just have to, I think, accept some of that. Like bedtime is never going to be quick because it takes kids like their nervous systems have to wind down. And so having a routine that's three minutes work probably won't even work. Like there is value in that longer routine because as they go, as you go through each of the steps, it's probably going to kind of slowly rev them down into the feeling like bedtime. Kind of like adults aren't going to be able to just snap straight in into bedtime. For things like ice skating, I think just thinking of it as like, listen, when you have three kids under five, part of life is just like getting through each day. And an activity like ice skating isn't about like, wow, we're going to have so much fun ice skating because you're not like they're too young. Like it's going to be terrible. I mean, well, in my experience, (laughs) but putting the skates on is part of the activity. And if that makes the activity two hours instead of an hour, then great. You've like done more activities for that day. (laughs) Like. I think you're winning and not losing. And so reframing it might be helpful because young kid life is not efficient and that's okay. As I said, how long do you really want to skate or swim with your toddlers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you just have to build those transitions in. I mean, I was sort of, this has always been a thing because um, it's possible that one parent in our family may decide that because the why is 20 minutes away and your swim class starts in 20 minutes, that's the time you leave. It's like, no, that is not the time you leave. It takes 10 minutes to get everyone into swimsuits. Ice skating was worse, too. I mean, even with older children, I mean, mine weren't under five, but for whatever reason, they couldn't lace up their own skates. I, you know, into ages where it felt like people should be able to lace up their own skates. So you just sort of have to accept that there is the time to get there. There is the time to park. There is the time to walk into the thing. There is the time to get the equipment on and then get into the pool or the ice skating rink or whatever it is. And all of those things are not zero. And if you think they're zero, you're going to be running late everywhere. And And, frustrated. And frustrated. So build it in as the time to... Yeah, but, but then, I mean, sometimes I think we can also make our transitions longer with our own things. I mean, so not... Kids are what they are, right? Like, and there's ways you can have routines and can streamline, can keep everything, you know, in packed by the door, like always have the diaper bag packed. Like if you take something out, you put it right back in. Or if something's out, you restock it. Um, make sure the activity stuff is always in a bag and the bag is always by the door. But with your own stuff, like I think often we can have transitions fill the time that is available. And a part of the transition problem is not knowing exactly what you want to do. And so it's you know, people get their kids down and then it's like you're puttering around the house for another 30 minutes until you're like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do for the night. So don't do that. Think about it when you're thinking about your day. Like if I have leisure time tonight, I would like to do X. And maybe it's that your favorite show comes on at 10. Great. You're going to watch that. Or maybe it's that you and your husband are going to have a late dinner together. Or maybe it's that you have a book that you are reading and you want to read 30 pages in it tonight. Okay, that's, or you're doing a puzzle or you're going to call a friend. But if you know what your leisure time is, then as soon as the kids are down, you can dive into it, right? Instead of losing that time 
puttering around the house and sort of trying to figure out what you're going to do. And so the transition disappears. It wasn't needing to be a huge transition. Anyway, it's just because the mental transition took a while because you weren't sure exactly what you intended to do. So I'll just throw that out there as an idea. Also, we should link to our entire episode we did on transitions because we did transitions. Do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Love of the week, Sarah. What's your favorite thing this week? Oh, my God. I'm going to do morning themed loves of the week. The sunrise on my runs, which especially is during the like right now, because once the time changes, it's going to be dark again and I'm going to be sad. But right now it's awesome. And my auto timed coffee. Oh, the best. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I love our coffee maker. We've got this like one that's built into the wall and it's like a fancy one. So you can just put your cup under it and press the number of ounces you want. And as long as you're refilling the beans, it's a. Uh, it's like it makes your coffee for you. I don't know. It's like you order a coffee and it's there and the, it tastes really good. I don't know. I liked it fresh from beans. Like it grinds the beans and then does it. But I'll go here with winter sunsets. So sort of the opposite of sunrise. We we have some cool sunrises around here, but you can't see them so well from our house because we have like a lot of big trees and houses toward the east. But the west is pretty open. And so especially in the winter, there's this hill and the trees are bare. And so you can see the sun setting. And I mean, too bad it's happening at 4.30 p.m., but bad. you can see That's it. great that it's happening at 4.30 p.m. You're there, right? I'm there. I mean... I'm looking out my office window <laughs> as opposed to like running around getting people to bed or something. I guess that's true. Yeah. So it's uh, I can see it in the winter. And so I really try to pause and appreciate, given that it will then be dark for like the next hours. 16 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been talking morning routines, troubleshooting various issues that can go wrong and is attempting to make a morning routine. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.